And welcome to the Monday Bulls Beat. We appreciate you tuning in. There's plenty to get to from the weekend. A War on I-4 baseball series that started off not so well and ended up wonderfully as the Bulls get two of three and win the series from UCF. Softball with Georgina Cork for a second straight weekend, throwing every single pitch, gets the job done, sweeps Memphis. We'll give you their conference tournament outlook in our second segment. Unfortunately, back to Friday, men's tennis did not prevail against Miami in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Still will tell you what went down there. And today is the day that Melanie Green begins her hopeful long run in the NCAA tournament as far as women's golf individual action goes. Uh, thought it was going to be a Sunday start, so if you heard me say she was going to be teeing it up in Tallahassee on Sunday, I meant that was her practice round. Today is the actual start to the tournament. There's also a couple things that, again, we have to be careful because uh, this show and this station is an official outlet of the school, and there are certain um, rules that prevent you from speaking about incoming student-athletes until they're officially signed to certain things. So I will just direct you to a couple of Twitter accounts and say that pretty soon I anticipate us talking about big-time ads in a couple of areas. In fact, if you go to the various USF football coaches' Twitter handles, you can see, and they're just like me here, you can't actually say names until it's official, but you can retweet posts and retweet articles and put out messages of excitement as uh, I might have retweeted a couple things. You want to go to my Twitter page at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. Hate to be so uh, vague, but again, just trying to stay NCAA compliant here. And trust me, in the next few days, maybe even later today, we would update the show and tell you what I'm talking about. Also, we can tell you if you had to go USFBowls.com, not only can you get the name of all 48 student-athletes who were scheduled to graduate over the weekend, but you can actually get their, their real names in some cases. It's pretty neat is they're listed by sport. And again, I'm not going to single out anybody just because of the fact that I don't want to lessen anyone else's accomplishment. But all 48 across many different sports are available in the nice article on GoUSFBulls.com. The cool part of that article is uh, Michael Kelly has a photo with all 48 student-athletes. You see a lot of smiling faces and just a lot of folks that we were able to cover over the last few years and really enjoyed. In fact, I will single out Sydney Harvey just because that's a good example of someone who, even though she's moving on, in her case, to Belmont to play her final season of eligibility, certainly will always be known as a bull, and it's not like she didn't get to graduate because she's going to end up at another school for her final season. Several of those members of the baseball team were at it this weekend and at it in a good way. The Bulls, a much-needed uplift, and they got it from their pitching staff on Saturday and Sunday. Take the series from UCF. Offense really didn't make a big splash. Well, with one notable exception, they were almost run-ruled on Friday night, and that was not what you'd ordered up. Brad Lord suffered from a big letdown on the defensive side behind him as the Bulls committed three errors in the second inning, a couple on really easy throws on ground balls to the left side. In other words, Lord did his job, but the defense did not, and it was four to nothing. The Bulls kind of carrying off what happened on Tuesday night in Gainesville. If you string it along, they were outscored, because remember they scored the first run against the Gators, ended up being 18-3, to and it was 10-1 to before the Bulls got any runs on Friday, so... That adds up to a 28-3 stretch of being outscored. And even when they did score, it was not on a run-scoring hit, which carried over to each of their three runs against the Gators. They were all on outs, ground out, sacrifice, fly, that kind of thing. 
and against UCF, which added a run for a 5-0 lead in the top of the third. The Bulls get a triple from Jared Eaton. Man, oh man, has he been heating up. And he would score, but again, on a sacrifice fly. And then the Bulls strike out, so a potential big inning goes by the wayside. Tom Jostin would double three times for UCF. They would also get a career day from Michael Brooks, a kid who actually got recruited to Arkansas, but after fall ball last year, announced he was leaving and was their lowest batter by batting average coming into this series, but he had three separate hits, four RBI. Lex Bodecker, who is a freshman who has been very productive, had four hits, so they were all getting it done. Brad Lord went five innings, and Austin Grouse came in and just couldn't get anyone out, unfortunately. The Knights scored three more times in the sixth, and we said it could have been a run rule situation. Grouse had loaded up the bases, allowed a couple of runs, but Jack Siebert came on and only permitted one more run. And then in the eighth inning, UCF just had some shaky base running a couple times, could have had that 11-1 to lead, but got thrown out at home plate. So at least the Bulls didn't lose by run rule, which is, of course, a 10-run margin. However, it was 10-1. to But if something in a blowout loss can help carry your momentum over to the next day, it did take place for the Bulls. They started to get some guys on base. They didn't go away quietly, to their credit. Nelson Rivera, a one-out single in the bottom of the ninth. Then Nick Gonzalez wore a pitch. With two outs, Ben Rosenblum got plunked. Bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth. Curve ball, Eaton strokes it to left field, and that is going to be the first run scoring hit of the day, and it could be a bases clearing double. All three runs will score. How about that? Looking for something to grow on to the next game. That certainly counts. <laughs> Not only a run scoring hit, a three run scoring hit. So Jarrett Eaton had the triple earlier and the double. He had two doubles in the Sunday loss to Houston, but again, is starting to heat up. And there was uh, good recognition by the Bulls because he was put at the top of the order on Saturday. But this was the change. The approach for the Bulls the last couple of weekends has been to go bullpen by committee in the Saturday game, but I think they wanted to not mess around and they went with Ethan Brown, who has been solid in their Sunday starts instead on Saturday and worry about hopefully pulling something together to win the series the following day. Well, it's exactly how it turned out, although there was definitely a wrinkle in the plan, that namely being a very unusual weather delay on Saturday of about an hour which was prompted by lightning in the area, but it was very south, in fact, right on that eight-mile radius. So we had the tarp come on the field, even though there was no rain in the end. And really, the sun stayed out the whole time, and if you didn't know there was weather in the area, you would have not, well, recognized it. One thing that we quickly recognized in this game is that the Bulls would be getting out of jams a lot. But before we get there, how about an early run? Here's the 1-1. That ball's flown out to right field. Back to the track. It is. It's gone. Apo Taco. That ball got up in the jet stream and got out of here. It's a solo shot for Carmine Lane. The Bulls lead it 1-0. That ball looked like just a routine fly ball to right field, but Taylor kept going back, 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 and... He just got to the track and said, that baby is gone. The Bulls now lead 1-0. That would be the place to go for home runs this weekend. In fact, 10 runs for the Knights on Friday, no home runs. And there would only be two hit out all weekend, and they were both by righties to the right side. Oh, speaking of, 
We said that UCF would have many runners on base on the weekend. This was not a conventional jam per se. It's first and third with two outs. And yes, you're trying to keep the lead that you just got. If you're Ethan Brown, this was headed out, except it was hit the wrong direction. So with Rosenblum doing some catching, playing some second, some first. Nice high hop there right to the chest on that Justin ground ball. He makes a really smart play over to Nick Gonzalez at second base. You keep the force intact at second. Here's the first pitch. That ball's hit really well. Left center field. Back converging on it is Brodell and Eaton. And Eaton will make the grab just shy of the wall in left center field. Woo! It is a game of inches, and it worked out in the Bulls' favor. You said it, Jay Retcher, and he also said the name of Ben Rosenblum, who we told you was expected back last weekend from a broken foot. Didn't really get the bat going, but it was great to see him back in the lineup. And yes, he's a versatile defender as well. Has been mostly at second base, played both second and first over the weekend. The Saturday and Sunday games would feature very similar patterns. Early lead, of course, the Bulls got the lead on Saturday in the first inning. And then hang on, and in some cases, for dear life. And frankly, there weren't a ton of chances to add on if you're the Bulls. There were definitely some plays and some close calls that favored them as well. Some upon further review. Top of the fourth was a good example. As UCF had a runner on, and Trent Taylor tried to bunt his way on. Was called out for running into Rosenblum at first base when, frankly, the throw was probably getting away. So Bo Decker had to go back to first base. This was in the fourth inning when, of course, both starting pitchers, because of the hour-long delay, were done for the afternoon. It was Hunter Mink time already, and the last time he pitched against UCF was the first time he gave up a run all year, and it was five runs. So it was nice to see him come through with four strong innings. Bulls did try and manufacture a second run in the fourth inning. In fact, Daniel Cantu was intentionally walked to bring up Bobby Bozer, and he struck out with the runner on second base. Bulls did get a much-needed second run, and Jared Eaton was the one that started it. Here's the 1-0 to Eaton. That ball's hit well. Back goes the right fielder, Taylor. Back, back, off the wall. Eaton in there at second base. A good play by Jeffrey Pena to back up. It's a leadoff double. Here's the 1-2. There's the breaking ball. Hit down the line. Base hit. Eaton's going to touch third. He is going to score. It's an RBI single from Carmine Lane, and the Bulls lead 2-0. Handily enough, that was his 50th RBI of the season. He's hitting 345. And as you heard Jay Retcher on the call, 2-0. Then Mink able to throw a five-pitch top of the six that included a double play ball. So everything's looking good, except here comes the top of the seventh, and here come the Knights. Bo Decker, who I think is going to be clearly – all freshmen in the conference, if not even a first or second teamer, gets a single, then Trent Taylor doubles, and Tom Jostin on an 0-2 fastball gets hit. Then things got very interesting, not that they weren't already. Big inning here. Big at-bat. This could decide the game. This is a make or break. Here's the 1-2. That's a ground ball. Over to second. Flipped over to short for one. Over to two. Double play. Oh, he's off the bag. No. I don't know about that one. I mean, Rosenblum, I mean, he did extend his foot there, but I don't know if, I mean, my goodness. They're going to have to replay this one, too. This one was, regardless if the guy's safer out of first base, a run comes in to score. But again, what is this, three, four replays in one game? And a non-rain rain delay? It's a good thing I don't have a hot date tonight. I don't know, man. It looks like his foot's on the back there. A lengthy discussion. This one's a lot tougher than the hit-by-pitch a couple moments ago. And the runner's out at first base, so 
A double play means no RBI for Michael Brooks. That was a 45-second clip. It actually took about four minutes of real time, but next batter lines out, and it stays Bulls in the lead. Top of the eighth, again, would not be easy. As in comes Orion Kirkring, he walked Noah Orlando on four pitches, but again was ready to get out of it except for a booted ball by Nick Gonzalez at shortstop on what would have been the third out. So it's first and second. 11 pitch at bat. Three minutes and 50 seconds. Here are the last few seconds. So three balls, two strikes, two outs. The runners will be off on the pitch again. Here's the pitch. Oh, fouled over the USF dugout. They'll do it again once more. So Bodeker battling. He's gotten on base all three times. See if Kirkring can stop that here. Here's the 3-2. That ball's foul. Ooh, that ball was smoked down the first baseline. Just foul. And this is they battle. Yes, it is a team game. That's what it's a great conversation to have when you're talking about baseball because, yes, it is a team game. It's not an individual sport. It's not golf, not tennis. But baseball is so unique because it always starts with a one-on-one confrontation. I don't want to say confrontation, but a one-on-one kind of back and forth. Kirkring gets the sign once more. Here's the 3-2. Called strike three. And he walks off the mound with some absolute purpose. That is the Orion Kirkring we know and love. A fastball on the inner half. He locks Bodeker up, and that'll do it for the Knights. Good stuff there from Jay Retcher, and he's so right about Orion Kirkring, who, of course, finished off the Knights in the conference championship last year. Hadn't had a chance to finish them off in a game this year after they got swept in Orlando, and, of course, he was the Friday night starter in the first game and had issues there. And, of course, he didn't have a chance to pitch this Friday because of the lopsided defeat. And as Billy Mole told me in the pregame Sunday, I thought it's been a long time since our pitching looked like that, so I told those guys after the game I was proud of them. They went out, they competed. They executed and had success. Um, and it's been a while since we've uh, had that feeling. So I was proud of them for, uh, for getting there and doing it. And we need a repeat performance today. And bingo, they would get it. The only thing about Sunday was were they going to be able to do it without probably all of their key relievers, although Ryan Kirkring could have pitched if needed at the end. And, well, turned out somebody else did that job. Joe Sanchez did the job at the beginning. In fact, clear game plan by the Bulls was to have their lefties dominate this one. Lefties between Sanchez, Joey Vellini, and at the end, Nolan Hootie with the save combined seven and two-thirds shutout innings. The only run for UCF came off of Tanner Mink, who otherwise did a nice job with a solo homer with that win to right field like we mentioned. The Bulls didn't exactly score a run in thrilling fashion, but it did the trick, all with two outs in the bottom of the second. The first three and a half innings were about UCF putting runners on and not being able to score, and the only Bulls chance, all innocently enough, after two were outs, and they would score on a wild pitch. Credit Nelson Rivera for pretty much all of it because he walked with two outs, and he hustled on the Marcus Brodell hit up the middle. Brodell would have three hits on the day. This is the only one that left the infield, but Rivera's hustle got him to third, and also the throw over there brought Brodell behind him into second and allowed for a wild pitch to score the first run of the game. Again, UCF top second, top third, and top fourth had two runners on in each inning. They would have second and third in the fourth inning as Joey Vellini came on, gave up Tom Jostin's fourth double of the weekend, then walked a man on a full count, 
did get a ground ball to put runners on the corners with two away, but a very dangerous leadoff man coming up. He's looking to hang on to a one nothing lead here. Curveball and a dandy. Swung on a miss. Pena cannot handle that pitch. That was identical to the one that Sanchez threw him, and I would be heartily surprised if he throws anything but off speed the rest of this at bat. Fastball, but that was all the way inside. That's, that was a dangerous pitch. Almost hit him. You're almost giving him bases loaded right there. I understand the concept of a waste pitch, but I think they wasted a little to the wrong part of the plate, put it that way. But it is a ball. Everything's fine. And the Bulls continue to dance out of trouble. One and two pitch coming. Curveball, there it is. Swung and a miss, strike three. Absolutely replicating that pitch. To perfection is Joey Bellini. And make it seven left on for the Knights. Let's see if the Bulls can get some runs. Of course, they had a run at the time, but one nothing. Definitely didn't feel like it was going to be the final score, especially piecing together things on the pitching end. But man, did the lefty from Jesuit do a great job. And the Bulls, unfortunately, got a little too aggressive in the bottom of the fourth. Had runners on first and second thanks to hits by Rosenblum his first of the weekend and Gonzalez. But then with them in action on an 0-1 pitch, Rivera lines out to right field, turns into an easy double play. Then our first 1-2-3 inning of the game for the Bulls turned in by Valini. However, again, now the Bulls start stranding runners. Brodell, a leadoff infield single, perfect sack bunt by KJG. And then Jared Eaton hustles one out for an infield single before Carmine Lane grounds out. Then UCF's Trent Taylor, as I kind of predicted would happen, if you listen back to the replay in the top of the sixth inning, would try to get things going with the bunt. He did. Steals second. They're the conference leader in stolen bases. But then Tanner Mink comes in with a runner on second base and two outs and gets a one-pitch flyout. Bulls again get two on in the bottom of the sixth and can't score. However, Mink on the other side, a 1-2-3 top half, and finally the Bulls extend their lead in the bottom half. Jacobs Guichard almost struck out on a couple of close calls. The Bulls were getting some calls now. Not going to hide from that. Then Cantu's turn to sacrifice bunt. And of all the people, who do you want up there to try and finally drive in a run for some insurance? But you need one more here. Can't expect to get all your runs on wild pitches, especially with this guy. Full count. He drills it, and it's going to get the job done. KJG had to hold up. They are going to send him. Throw comes in to short. Yeah, we'll take that. Jared Eaton, Captain Clutch, makes it 2-0. Another big-time hit, and you heard the crowd. It was great all weekend. There was a pretty good crowd there from UCF as well, but the Bulls definitely had them outnumbered. I saw the very feeling it after their first win of the weekend, UCF baseball. Twitter account put out UCF baseball Tampa's hometown team it's like come on man stop it first of all you're outnumbered what 1500 to 40 as far as crowd goes and secondly it's just childish really they also made sure to say you know we'll carry the boat from here so taking the Bulls slogan which has a very emotional root to it and making fun of it well that was the last fun they'd have and before we get back to the action speaking of emotional and I do give the baseball team for UCF all the credit in the world, uh, they were very appropriate here in the pregame as we knew was going to take place. First of all, it was Mother's Day, so you had every player whose mom was there throwing out a gigantic first pitch. I put out video on my Twitter page, at Derek Sharp. And then after that, you heard me talk about it, Alexis Buckman, who is the softball player undergoing treatment for brain cancer and Carmine Lane's girlfriend, and his father, Carmine's father, Thomas, with his own struggles with oral cancer, they both threw out at the same time the first pitch, Buckman to Carmine, 
and Mr. Lane to Billy Mole, it was, I mean, I'm glad I wasn't on the air at the time because I was practically bawling. It was that kind of special moment. And I do give UCF, the team, full credit because once they kind of heard what was going on and saw what was going on, they all came out of their dugout. And if you go to my Twitter page and you see they were all applauding. So, yes, there's some sometimes hatred between the rivals, but none of that in that situation. And with that kind of as a backdrop, it would have been wrong for UCF to win yesterday. And Nolan Hootie helped keep that the case by throwing some solid relief after the McCabe homer had pulled the Knights to within 2-1. to one. Those pitchers have done a good job with the Ks today, collecting seven. Make it eight. Another change up. Monquet will apply the tag. And boy, did Nolan Hootie do the job. He is talking to his teammates, maybe a little to the other team. And then you had the curiosity because would Orion Kirkring come on to close the ninth after, well, frankly, talking some smack to the Knights? They would let Hootie come on as a lefty started things off, and that lefty would single. Fortunately, the Bulls had a two-run lead by then because they would add one, could have had more in the bottom of the eighth. Actually, Will Saxton, who was the Saturday starter but only through two innings, came on, and they didn't have anyone else warming in the pen, and the Bulls looked like they had a big inning in stores. Gonzalez singled, four-pitch walk to Rivera. Marcus Brodell bunted. Don't know what their pitcher was thinking because it was his play to make, and I guess he thought the third baseman was going to make it, and instead he whiffed, so it was Brodell's third hit. But all they could get was one run as Jacobs Guichard hit a sharp ball to short that actually could have been an easy force out at home but it was bobbled the Knights really had some chances at double plays in this game they actually did turn one to end the inning but that was after the Bulls got that extra insurance run which it turned out they didn't need they won by two a chopper this could be it right to Hootie a lofted throw and the Bulls win they take the series from the Knights three to one Nolan Hootie gets the save his first as a Bull and indeed, UCF ends up stranding nine. And what a weekend for USF. Needed wins and low scoring wins of two to one and three to one. And again, they're back at it tomorrow. A lot more scoring turned in by the softball team. Two run rule victories. And again, Georgina Korik with the full weekend. Just more amazing stuff. The first 23 outs she recorded over the weekend were via the K. All 15 in the Friday night game where both Madison Epperson and Josie Foreman drove in three runs. Epperson, a home run. Lydia Castro getting her first homer as a bull for the freshman from Newsom. So they definitely had it going 13-1 to 1 that final score. We told you that Memphis had had issues pitching. Well, that was definitely the case. And then they kind of spread it out on Saturday with a 9-1 to 1 run rule win, but scoring no more than three in an inning, including three in the first inning. Bases clearing double for Megan Piero, who also had a two RBI hit. On Friday night, RBI doubles in the contest for Vivian Pond and Josie Foreman. As a matter of fact, five different Bulls driving in runs in that game, and Corrick struck out 12. She had 15 strikeouts on Friday. Again, the first 23 outs she recorded. Now, they had some hits in there, including a run, a homer on Friday, but it took them until two outs in the third Saturday to ground out for the first non-strikeout. Much tougher go of it on Sunday. The Bulls were hanging on to a one nothing lead until they scored two runs in the ninth inning. Desiree Maldonado, though, homered in the third. She also had an RBI ground out ahead of Alexis Johns' RBI single. And 10 more strikeouts for Corrick. 
She actually had to pitch the full seven innings. But hey, she's good for that. She has 100 career complete games now. She has 394 strikeouts on the season and will probably get above 400 on Thursday when we will be able to bring it to you live. The Bulls finish up the regular season 42-13, and and they're the three seed for the conference tournament. They'll play the host East Carolina, as we told you last week. And actually, it was originally announced as the bracket came out yesterday as a 2 o'clock game, but we said that East Carolina as the host team will likely get changed to the night game, and that has been the case. It was announced on Monday morning. That means, as I'll be arriving to Greenville with baseball around 2 o'clock Thursday, so we can bring you the game live at 5 o'clock. Much more on that later in the week, obviously, and if you want to hear the entire conference tournament outlook and how the softball season wrapped up, tune in to Around the American on Monday afternoon. We wrap up with some men's tennis, and their season ended against the Miami Hurricanes on Friday. Bulls won the doubles point with Rydvik Balapowli and Bruno Oliveira at the number one spot and Sergio Gomez-Montesa and Alvin Todorica at the two spots. So you just need to split the six singles matches. Todorica rolled his opponent. Bulls got another win from Chase Ferguson. Miami won pretty easily at number three singles. The other three matches were all close. The Bulls just needed to win one of them and couldn't. Ivan Yatsuk won his first set, but Dan Martin, Miami's highest-ranked player, wins the second set 6-love and then 6-3. Critical juncture at the number six match. Bruno Oliveira was up 5-3 in the first set. Franco Obon broke him and then won in a tiebreaker. And then at number five singles, Sergio Gomez-Montesa wins his second set in a tiebreaker, so that is what was shaping up to be the decider. And yet the freshman from Miami, Martin Katz, after again losing in a tiebreaker, wins the third set six love. So it was over pretty quickly, and Miami turned around and got shut out by the Gators on Saturday. I'm keeping an eye on Melanie Green today, starting off a three-day run in the NCAA tournament as an individual playing in Tallahassee. We'll have a summary on how she did in the first round on tomorrow's Bulls Beat. That'll wrap up the Monday show. Thanks for checking it out. I'm Derek Sharp.